Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. Today, we're on the phone with Christy Barron, who's the co-owner of Nova3 Labs. And here in the studio, I've got Sam, the extraordinaire producer, and Vin Camp, our director of all things fitness, in particular CrossFit right now. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining the Project Purple Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Christy, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, thanks for joining us, Chrissy, today. And I know you, you've been busy uh, traveling around the country. We missed you. You were just here in Connecticut a couple weeks back. And uh, we always love getting people in the studio when scheduling permits. But we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Yeah, of course. Um, I definitely was bummed not to see Vin when I was in Connecticut. But it was, I was there less than 24 hours, actually. <laughs> flew in, flew out. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a hot minute. Um, so yeah. for our listeners at home, why don't you give them a little bit of your background um, and maybe what we can do, and it's up to you. I, I know just from talking together prior to going to recording, we talked about your diversity and where you live. So feel free to get, delve into that for our listeners at home. But we'd love to hear you know, your background and then bring us up to speed in terms of what you're doing now currently at Nova 3 Labs. And I know that's kind of evolving. And that was one of the reasons why you were here in Connecticut a couple weeks back as well, which I'd love to get into uh, maybe later in the episode as well. Yeah, of course. So I went to undergrad in California. And I've always been a competitive athlete per se. I was in gymnastics. I played 12 years of soccer. And I was a college cheerleader, and we were competitive, so we competed, which I don't know if you're, no one probably knows the cheer world, but there's a very big difference between competitive and then like cheering for football games, which is also awesome. Um, but we didn't have a football team, just, you know, keeping that theme of California going great. Um, but Chrissy, and, can I just jump in here? We, I, I think yeah. Sam, who is uh, our intern here who runs the Project Purple podcast, he goes to Quinnipiac University and competitive cheerleading and, and here in New England I, I think there's pockets throughout the country where cheerleading is really big and uh, here in New England it's gotten really popular but Quinnipiac and I know of this for a fact and Sam might chime in here has a ultra competitive cheer team acro and tumbling actually acro yeah. and tumbling. it's kind of a little bit oh of a mixture with gymnastics but it's really cool yeah, and I know that I, is the coolest. Yeah, yeah. So, in in cheerleading, I think as you said, has evolved over the last fifteen years tremendously because I think my generation, and I'll age myself. I'm I'm forty five here. You know, I remember the days of the cheerleader of you know the Dallas Cowboys, and here in New England, okay. we had the New England Patriot cheerleaders. But that is a far extension from where it is now with the tumbling and the acrobatic and the competitive side of it and there was a girl that interned for us um, a couple years back she was a scholarship athlete at Quinnipiac but was on that cheer squad and uh, they they didn't they weren't the normal cheerleaders that would cheer for the men and women's basketball they were this competitive team that competed nationally yeah yeah so that's what we did we competed um, there's there's different levels, but you have um, UCA, which is the Universal Cheerleading Association, and every year there is World, which is like every college in the world is invited, and you compete in Florida, and you have to qualify to make it, and um, basically you record a video, you send it in, so we would compete over there, and it was an amazing experience, and then we would also come home and put our smiling faces on and cheer for the basketball team. <laughs> we, 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 we had a lot of hats to wear and then we would have to go oh my gosh they used to make us cheer for ice hockey do you know how embarrassing that is ice like, hockey <laughs> we would just sit in the stands freeze and shake our pom-poms and everyone's looking at us you know ice hockey fans are aggressive right yeah so i'm not gonna like jump up and be like go team right and they look at you like sit down lady right? <laughs> uh so you know it was quite care it was a character building moment you know if i could say so Awesome. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think that that experience really taught me. I look back a lot and I think, man, if I understood nutrition in college and if I understood like the mental aspects of being an athlete, I would have been such a better, such 
such a better athlete, right? But in college, no one talked about us. No one talked about the importance of nutrition. No one talks about how bad negative reinforcement is on you. No one taught. No one teaches the coaches like uh, the most beneficial way to to motivate their athletes, right? A lot of youth males are motivated through negative reinforcement, and then you see that throughout their entire life as athletes, right? It's how they talk to themselves in their head. And I'm going on a tangent here, so I'm going to backtrack and tell you that I pursued a master's degree in sports psychology, and that's why I'm talking about all this. Um, and I am finishing up my thesis right now, and I'm writing it on the efficacy of cognitive restructuring and self-talk on an elite athlete's self-confidence. So basically, cognitive restructuring is changing the way that we talk to ourselves. Um, and so we're looking at the automatic self-talk. So it's like this is the self-talk that just happens in our head, and then we have problem-solving self-talk. And if we were to try to change that automatic like thought process or self-talk from negative to positive, what effects does that have on an athlete's performance and self-esteem? And the answer is a lot. <laughs> just sum it up, a lot. I'll cite my sources later. Chrissy, that was going to be one of my questions for you. So you sort of just answered that for me. Um, cause I know I, I talked with a couple of the people that were up in Milford um, you know, and listened to a couple of your podcasts, but it was that positive first negative self-talk. Um, is, I mean, I, can you just elaborate that on a little bit more um, just for our listeners at home? You know, we have a lot of people running for us, too, and I'm during a 26.2 marathon. I'm sure some of that you know, negative talk can get in there or a doubt can get in there. Um, can you just expand yes. on that or elaborate on that a little bit? Of course, yeah. So when I one of the biggest things that I wanted to change in this industry is um, a lot of other people will go out there and say, just think positive. And I personally hate that. I, I don't want someone to have a false sense of positivity in their life. I want them to actually affect change in their mental space. So when we deal with negative self-talk and you're running and it's hard and you tell yourself, I'm not going to make it anyways, or I'm not going to PR, what's the point? Or I'm not the best runner, why am I doing this, right? Well, what's the, what's the truth behind it? Well, the truth behind it may be that we're not the best runner, but we're still doing this. We still enjoy this. And what was the, what was the purpose of thinking that thought? Well, the purpose was so we would slow down, right? Because we wanted to give ourselves an excuse in our head to slow down. And then I teach my clients, well, let's reframe that thought. Instead of saying we're not the best, we say to ourselves, I may not be the best, but it doesn't mean I don't give up my, I don't give out my full effort. I should always give out my full effort in anything that I'm doing because I enjoy this, right? And so we're basically taking down, I have clients write down a week's worth of negative thoughts. And what that can really do is it can show you the theme of your, of like what you, where your negative thoughts are. Is it have to do with comparison? Are we, do we have a fear of letting people down? Do we feel like we don't deserve to be there, right? And these are all t like normal thoughts that we all have, right? Where none of us are perfect. We don't think positive thoughts all the time, but understanding that theme of negativity, then we can work together and say, okay, so how do I start changing those thoughts? And when I become aware of them, then I can say, oh, that's a negative thought. Okay, let's reframe it. Or, oh, that's a negative thought. I'm going to write it down. And the next time I'm going to think something a little bit different, right? So I don't want you to essentially, you know, shit, sunshine, and rainbows, right? <laughs> I want you to work towards having that automatic thought process become positive where you are in the hurt locker, man, you are 21 miles in and your feet hurt and probably your nipples are bleeding because I heard that's a thing, but we're just going to roll with it. And <laughs> that's reality. I not, can back that. Yeah. That does happen. Right? But, but that your, so your first thought is not, man, I suck. People are passing me. Your first thought is, oh, you can do this. Keep going in it right so basically like when you get to that point and you start feeling pain and you start I think that's when the negative thoughts kind of start mm -hmm. seeping into the mind and we're saying that you know we're not good enough I'm not going to PR like people are passing me right but only through repetition of, of reframing those negative thoughts can we allow for a different scenario to happen right so we're in that hurt locker and instead of I'm not good enough right or people see me and I'm letting people down it's I can do this stay in this, right? And I have kind of people write, write whatever motivational words are work for them. For me, I tell myself, stay in this, be present. Because that's a challenge for me because 
I have a I have a fast moving brain. <laughs> I'm like I'm all over the place sometimes. So um, kind of going back and, and changing those negative thoughts and figuring out that theme and creating positive thoughts in turn of those negative thoughts or, or exchanging those negative thoughts. Then when we're in that scenario, we already have it played out where I'm not good enough. You can immediately in your head say, no, 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 stay in this, be present, right? But if we never understand that, we never bring those, those the unconscious to conscious, how do we ever expect to change that, right? That's a great point, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. For our listeners at home, though, so we, we, we went a little bit fast forward here that I had on my agenda, but that's all right because I, I like rolling with how the, the, the conversation goes. Where did you get – like how did you get to this point? Because you're, you're you know, a collegiate athlete, cheerleading. We know you've traveled around, lived in various places around the country from California, now in Atlanta, was in New York for a while, Syracuse as I like to call it. Not Syracuse, um, but uh, that that's a joke that I, I, everyone I know that comes from that area. I just know there's, as we were saying, there's like two months of summer and then 10 months of winter pretty much. Um, but so how did you get to this point along that journey? Because, I mean, you're a co-owner of Nova 3 Labs, which is a supplement company, but this is like a total, I wouldn't say a total 180 degrees because I think nutrition, you know, I, I've got some great questions here that I'm going to ask about the sports psychology and this whole mindset and how that relates. And I I always think for me, the mind is an amazing thing. And it's probably the, the one muscle in our body that we use the least in terms of its capability. And I think when people put their mind to things, however they find that or however that happens, amazing things can happen. And that can be seen on the physical platform. It can be seen on the mental platform and in life day in, day out. So um, I think, you know, the nutrition aspect of it is a mindset because in order, I think, for people to create change and to make change, they have to commit to things. It's not uh, like these yo-yo diets that people jump on with the paleo. We were having this conversation this morning because, you know, about the whole dieting thing and, you know, paleo versus uh, what's the other one? Keto. Yeah, keto. Every keto is everywhere now. Like I I, I never heard about keto up until like two years ago, but it seems like in the last (laughs) month it is everywhere. I had, it's so funny, I had a family member reach out to me and, you know, they want to lose weight. And they just texted me, hey, do you think I should try Bulletproof Coffee? <laughs> and I texted, I texted back, do I think you should put a bunch of fat in your coffee? <laughs> no, 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 let's not do that. I don't think you're going to see the change you want to, right? <laughs> yeah, if you've gotten your body into ketosis and then you add some fat into your coffee, that makes sense. Now, if you're chilling over here at McDonald's and you think you're going to add some butter to your coffee and that's going <laughs> to solve problems, I assure you it's not, right? But... Uh, the world wants a quick fix and everything. Um, but to kind of step back, you want me to go into before Nova? It's totally up to you. I'd love to hear more about Nova and then what got you to this bridge in terms of the sports psychology, which, again, I think kind of ties in with the nutrition aspect, which possibly may be the case, but I'd love to hear it from your words. So um, I have been doing CrossFit since 2012. As soon as I uh, finished college in 2012, I was looking for something where I could find a camaraderie, and I'm ridiculously competitive, and so CrossFit kind of just like sparked a fire. And I moved from gym to gym to gym in Southern California, just looking for a more competitive environment. And um, I found one. And it was a great gym, and someone had said, "Hey, you should hire a nutritionist." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." And at the time, I'm a phar- I'm a pharmaceutical rep. Okay, so I'm making really good money at like 23 years old uh, in LA. Um, I made the mistake of um, <laughs> this is a great story. I bought a 128i BMW because I said to myself, "You know what, man? I'm gonna be successful when I have this car. Like, whew, I'm gonna be successful." Okay, turns out six months later, I returned it, and you don't return cars. I lost like five grand on it. The great story is that I couldn't even afford the oil change or the gas, right? So that was a great learning lesson that my dad was like, I'm going to watch you fall on your face. I was like, joke's on 
like, you. And then six months later, I drove it back in. I was like, hey, can we exchange this? Because this is really expensive. <laughs> but that, that was a great lesson that young Christy had to learn that success does not mean cars and money and things like that, right? So. Hey, Christy, um, hold on, though. Wait a minute. You're, 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 what you just said is very important, I think, for our, our listeners at home to hear that just because you come out of school with a college education, you have a, a good-paying job at a, at a Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 company, and you're driving a BMW that's not successful? You know, it was because I did it for the wrong reasons. I bought the car, and I said, everyone will think I'm successful, but inside... I wasn't happy because I, I really, to be honest, I hated being an employee. Um, in, a, in the role of pharmaceutical rep, um, I wasn't respected for my brain. And uh, my sales dictated, my sales were successful based on what I wore. And like, you know, it just, for me, it really ate away at my soul. And I always told myself, uh, you know, one day you're going to find me. One day you're going to find an avenue and just run with it. And, you know, so I was I was doing CrossFit and making good money, and I just returned my BMW <laughs> and <laughs> the hard way, lost, you know, a good amount of money on it. And um, someone said, hire a nutritionist. And so I, I hire this guy, and he owns this company, Dynamic Nutrition. And I'm like, okay. And they have two products out. And I'm like, okay. And he tells me, hey, you know, I need some part-time work with uh, my marketing. Do you think you could help me? So I think about it, you know, a couple days, and I come back, and I'm like, let's get on a Skype call. And it's two guys. You know, I'm 23 at the time. They're both, uh, you know, older than me. And I go, guys, you know, when the Vikings went into battle, they burned their own ship. To tell everyone on the ship, hey, we're not going home in our boat, but also let their competitors know, hey, we're going home in your boat. And I told them, I said, I'm a burn, I'm a burn the boat kind of person. So let me buy in for 5% and I'll sell you my soul. And because that's, I'm just a really intense person. If you've ever met me in person, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm a very intense person. I'm very 100% or zero. And man, the look on Mike's face was just like, who is this girl? Honestly, didn't pre-plan that speech at all just came to me in my heart, and I'm like, I'm going to tell them about burning the boat. And they said, okay. So I bought in, you know, 5%, handed over my life savings at the time. And then I was like, okay, uh, so step one, Google, how to run companies. But, <laughs> you know, it's like school teaches you this rough outline. No one knows. There's, there's so many, man, the one thing that I do is I read. I read so many books, but there's no book that is exactly going to tell, tell you how to run your company successful, right? And so all in, in the past four years that I've, I've been doing this, what I've learned is that uh, failure is okay. And what I've learned is that you treat your employees better than anyone else. I put my employees above my customers because if I treat my employees well, they'll treat my customers even better. And I've learned that, honestly, truth and transparency is more important to me than selling you this yo-yo thing. So as an example, there's a company called Fit Tea. Okay, it's a tea that makes you fit. Right? It doesn't, but just right on that. Um, in their first three months of business, they were making six hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Right, because it's a public public company, so I can see it. And that is an example that I give people to tell you that lies sell, and I'm not willing to go down to that level ever. So when people email me and they say, what do you have for fat loss? What do you have for muscle gain? I say, um, hard work and work with a nutritionist. You know, it's going to take months of change. And that's okay. Because maybe I don't want those customers that think that change is going to happen overnight. Maybe I want those customers that are going to, like, work through their pain with us. And then we're going to partner with them. And, and that's what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, sometimes it's really frustrating, right? Because growth, growth is slow. But it's growth, right? And slow growth is better than no growth, and fast growth can lead to inventory issues and things like that. And so, um, to sum that all up, I saw an avenue where I said, man, I could be my own boss. And I told my dad, hey, don't freak out. I love my dad. Like, don't freak out. I'm going to quit my job. I'm investing in the company. Give him all my money. I'm going to sell my BMW. We're going to be good. 
like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I think my dad's a typical, work in this job for five years and you could be a manager. And I was like, oh, kill me, no. <laughs> and so he goes, Christy, what happens if you fail? I'm like, dad, if I fall on my face, I'm 24. I'll get back up, right? And so working, so then I'm working this company for a couple of years and um, I'm figuring out the avenues and I'm also competing in CrossFit. And um, I kind of tell myself, man, you know, there's no, there's no mindset. There's no sports psychology in this. And I said, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to create that avenue. So I went back to school for two years. <laughs> Slow progress, people. It's okay. So I would work during the day, train in the morning or at night, and then study for grad school into the evening. And um, I had no social life. Um, all my plants died. So that could be a different issue. Let's not focus on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, one of the things that I tell people is like, sometimes you just got to go all in, right? It's, I don't know how to explain it, okay? But you know when you, when you do two workouts and someone's like, hey, you want to do another workout with me? And you're like, man, if I think about this, I'm going to say no. I'm just going to say yeah. That's kind of how I live my life. And when I, when I have these big ideas, I, I almost don't think them through because I know that logic would say, Christy, do you really want to spend two years and a lot of money on this grad degree? Instead, I said, no, 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 no. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. We're going to hammer through. We're going to see what happens. So I'm on the end of the two years, and I look back and I think, that was a crazy decision. But I obviously don't regret anything. I've learned so much, um, and I really feel a sense of peace or bliss uh, or, you know, I don't know, sereneness, um, helping people. Man, when I, when I talk to people, when I, when I did my seminar in Milford, I almost joked I blacked out. Like, I really don't remember what I said, right? Because it was just, I was like so in the flow state. I was so in it. And I get so excited. And I just love talking about, like, Nova, man, I have so much passion for that. In sports psychology, I have so much passion for that. Some would say I have too much passion, but that's okay, right? Again, I'm an intense person. <laughs> but um, it's all led me to like, this moment right here. And I feel so thankful that these opportunities fell in my lap and that I took them and I ran with them and that I kind of didn't let logic or people's negative opinions ever hold me back. It's my long-winded answer. Well, I I think you have to find you know a little bit more mm -hmm. excitement in your voice and telling yeah, your story, and you know I, I just don't uh, your intensity <laughs> just does not come through over the phone. And I know we ha I think we have met I think we met down in Waterpalooza back in yeah. January in Miami like for like a hot second. I think it was everyone was so busy, and I think we were kind of running. Around. I, I think you might have been competing. competing. So that I yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was like a brief interaction, and I was kind of like a deer in the headlights at Wadapalooza, to be honest with you, because that was my first, <laughs> Vin is laughing, as I said to Vin, and for our listeners at home, and this is nothing against Wadapalooza, uh, it's a great event, great people who put that on, and I know now there's a new owner in place, and we're looking forward to being partnered with them again and, and working with them again in 2019. But um, I was a little bit in, in like shock and awe because that was like my first big CrossFit event. And just I think being in Miami in January and seeing everyone ready to compete and uh, it was just foreign to me. So I was kind of like a deer in the headlights and like for the first 48 hours I was like having these mini panic <laughs> attacks and Vin was like pulling me off the edge saying it's going to be okay, man. It's going to be okay. It's a little bit different than runners. I remember we did a we had a booth back in 2016 and yeah it was man running a booth is no joke it's like no. 16 hour days you have to be happy when you have to be dancing I mean everyone that talks to you like hey 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 come here come here come here right <laughs> hey talk to me I like you you know and um, it's, I it's, like it's, you <laughs> it's, it's exhausting right so I definitely understand how you felt and I I remember. That was probably one of the first job duties I had. Oh, this is a great story. Uh, was we we had a booth at Wadapalooza. And so, you know, I shipped like 100 of each supplement there. And it's 
shipping costs us so much money and we got this and that and this and that. And guess what? We maybe sold 10 of each. Yeah. And I remember my co-owner looking at me like, why'd you ship so many supplements? I'm all, uh, honestly, I didn't know any better. But um, <laughs> now I learned. I think something that you just said, though, you know, just now you live and learn and with business and then something going back to I, I've been taking notes as you were speaking here. Um, and you had said that, you know, there is no book. There are books. Let's be honest. There are plenty of how do you start a business books. But quite frankly, I'm sure you've read your share. I've read my share. I'm sure our listeners at home may have read their share. But that does not substitute or give you an idea as real experience. And I think the one thing in any business, whether it's charity or supplements or sport psychology mindset, you're gonna learn from your mistakes. Or what I should say is the people that do succeed learn from those mistakes and you know how you become better. I mean, there, there really isn't a book, but I think what you said was right spot on that you just have to jump in and going all in is, is really critical because I think people who don't go all in, you know, have a tendency, and this might be a segue into the mindset, even though I still have some questions uh, pertaining to your background. If your subconscious is not all in, which drives your conscious, how can you be 100% into something and be successful? Would you agree or yes. disagree with that statement? I definitely agree. And, you know, I think it, it has a lot to do with, um, do we believe in ourselves? Do we, like, sometimes I sit back and I think, like, man, I'm in charge. Like, you know, you ever look around and you're like, who's in charge? Oh, I am. Shit. Okay. Okay, yeah. figure it out. Right? <laughs> you know? And so sometimes I, I like, have this overwhelming stress where I'm like, oh, I'm in charge of all these people and this business and this. and then I and then I'm like, calm down, breathe, everything's okay. But so one of the things that like clients look to me for and I was looking to books for and I was looking to mentors for and I was just looking for someone to tell me how to do it, right? Because I didn't want to go inside myself and figure it out because then that would mean that I would have this unwavering faith in myself. And that is the scariest thing to have, right? And so I was reading books and I was frustrated because they didn't tell me, well, I'm like, oh, but no one has a book about supplement companies, right? Yeah. And oh, no one invests in supplement companies or product-based companies and da 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 And what I realized, you know, throughout doing all this is, is, is I have the answers inside myself. And I tell my clients, I said, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel for you. I'm teaching you how to become aware of your thoughts and you are going to help yourself. I'm just going to create a roadmap for you to get there, you know, because the power is all always in ourselves, right? But we have to believe in this unwavering sense that, that we can do anything that we put our minds to. And I'm a really big advocate on, on self-esteem and self-confidence. And, um, you know, think about just when someone compliments you, right? And you're, no, no worries, or no, 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 right? And it's like, imagine if we just said, thank you, right? You're beautiful, thank you. Right? They probably look at you like, what? Right? But we don't we do not do that, right? Because we're taught to like, ooh, you know, lessen that. You know, don't look too self-confident. Don't be too much, right? And I'm, I'm like a huge advocate. I'm like, no, man, like, you got to believe in yourself more than, well, how do you expect me to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself, right? And so that's been a huge lesson that I've had to do where I've kind of like put one shoe on and then said, oh, you know, do I want to wear these shoes, right? Like, the metaphorical shoes of owning a company. Um, and finally, and it's definitely taken years of maturity, right? I mean, I really am only 28, but um, I've learned so much in doing this and throwing myself in. And sometimes my co-owner, Mike, will say, you know, how are you doing? And I'll say, well, uh, I'm swimming and my eyes are above water. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm paddling today. You know, and so, uh, but the reality is it's amazing to be your own biggest champion, right? Because we put that on other people, and other people have bad days, even if it's our significant other, right? But other people have bad days, and sometimes they need us to be that person for them. So to be that person for yourself, man, like, it just feels amazing. Yeah, I can't agree with you more on everything you just said. Two questions, though. You mentioned your dad like three times in your history. So first question, 
is how big of a part has your family played in getting to where you are today and mentors you mentioned your business partner who's the owner of Nova 3 but I think in in all of this I, I mean I do agree with you you know mindset you know restructuring that self-talk creating that positive mindset is critical and there's things that you have to do on a daily basis that can be taught, but I also think that somewhere along the way, maybe it was family or maybe it was a mentor that maybe inspired you. And I'd love to hear her thoughts on that. So, you know, how, so really three questions I just threw at you. <laughs> family, do you have mentors? And did either of those two areas play into kind of this mind shift change? Um, so family, I, I would say that uh, most of my childhood, I was pretty alone. My dad worked a lot. Um, I didn't really have a female figure in my life, and um, any siblings? I I have an older sister, but she unfortunately turned to uh, drugs at a young age of mine, and so I kind of really remember feeling I, I never felt sad growing up about it. Um, I just remember feeling that I was going to be my own role model in life, and I, I don't really have an answer as to why I felt that way or why I chose positivity over negativity. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't really have an answer. I just know that I always told myself like, man, it was really simple to me. I said, sports make you feel good. You should do a lot of sports. And um, when people would ask who my role model is, I would tell them my future self, right? Cause I'm going to be something great. Um, people would laugh at me and you know, I, I don't know. I really just believed in that. And I never wanted my situation to hold me back in life. Um, so my dad and I had a, got a better relationship when I was in college and, um, he really, we really just worked through a lot of our issues together and, um, but he's really always kind of let me kind of how, um, I joke that like, you know, birds will just take the baby bird out and see if they fly. He's always very much been like that with me where, um, there's no, you know, there's no sympathy or anything. It's just, you know, figure it out, right? And they figure it out. You know, he's a Texan. <laughs> and, and um, so, uh, but he's, he's very successful in his job and what he did when he does. And so, I think I've always looked up to him in a business sense of, um, well, he can give me business advice and he can do this and he can do that. And so, I really, I really value our our relationship now because we both went through the uncomfortable vulnerability stage where we were like, okay, let's talk about that childhood we never talked about. Um, which I would, you know, suggest those of you that don't have those good relationships. Um, I was I was reading something that Tony Robbins said, and, and it really hit home with me. And it said, if you're going to blame someone for something they did, whether that person was an alcoholic in your life or whether that person was this or that, then you also have to thank them for the person that you turned out to be, right? Because I, I could sit here and pity myself that I raised myself, but really – Thank you for teaching me independence. Thank you for teaching me not to fall on others. Thank you for teaching me to have worth in myself, right? And so we oftentimes we sit in this blame circle where we want to blame everything for our, everyone for our circumstances, but the reality is, well, then you have to thank them for the person that you are too because it's two-sided, right? And um, that really hit home with me and like how I was raised. And I think I had a lot of anger towards it for a while and I definitely worked through that and it just kind of made me a much happier person in all sense. Um, so going, moving into kind of the first year that I owned Nova, I told myself again, cause I was looking for answers. I said, you know, I'm gonna hire this mentor, $500 a month, right? That's like probably how much I made, right? $500 a month, I can do it. And um, honestly, no one had answers for me but myself. But one of the mentors did this great activity with me where it's called a why activity. And so I would say, you know, Finn, why did you, why did you want to open this company? And you would tell me the answer and I would say, but why? And then you'd tell me the answer, but why, but why, but why? And so it helped me kind of figure out like my deepest why of why I do everything in life. And for me, it's to one day be a role model for other youth women that don't have that positive role model in their life. Right, so I want to speak at high schools. I want to speak at juvenile centers, and I want to kind of create this this opportunity or this other path for 
for youth, females that don't have that guidance in life that, hey, you don't have to turn out like your surroundings. Like, let's be different, right? And that's my deep down why into everything that I do. And I think because I have such this, this why that's greater than myself, it helps me through those hard days, right? Those days when, you know, you just don't know how you're going to get through them. And having a why bigger than myself is what I've learned and teaching others to have why bigger than themselves can really help with, um, you know, the self-doubt, right? Um, and, the, and the low self-confidence and things like that. Um, and so I would say that really, really the, the only thing that I learned from mentors was was how to find my own why, which is very important, right? Um, but I also could have read Simon Sinek's, you know, book. <laughs> that cost way less than $500, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so I'm super fast. I've actually done Simon's training uh, here in New York just oh, recently back in May. And uh, so I'm really fascinated for a variety of reasons with the whole why concept. And I started along that journey quite honestly, probably like four or five years ago, someone had sent me his video and I watched it. And ever since then, and about two years ago, I started to dive in deeper into his books and his, uh, his emails and just his uh, marketing. And, and then I had an opportunity to go to his training and, and it's really powerful. And I think, you know, it's a topic that we talk about a lot, a lot here. Last year, we actually, we launched our own What's Your Why campaign with Project Purple. And we had people from all over the country share their whys and I truly believe if everyone woke up every day and, and started with that question, why are you doing what you're doing and really dove really deep into why they do what they do, I think there'd be a lot less problems than there are in the world today, but that's probably another podcast for another day, delve into how do we change that. So, Yeah, I totally agree. Can't change everything overnight, though. You know, it takes time, but um, it, it yeah. would be a pretty cool one to, to go into it. So, my next question, and thank you for sharing that information about your family. I know it's sometimes these questions are not easy, but we appreciate your honesty and uh, hearing you talk about family and how that played into you and mentors and the why. So, the restructuring of the self talk. For our listeners at home, and as I said, it doesn't happen overnight, but in your experience and what you're doing now, what are some of the things that maybe, and maybe there aren't some things that can be said, you know, maybe this is this is a more in-depth conversation, but what are some of the things right off the top that are easy to identify that people can become better and maybe some strategies, Chrissy, that you can share um, that could be helpful? So I think one of the simplest things that I tell people to, to do is when they walk by a mirror, their first thought can't be negative. I don't care if your first thought is, I like my eyeballs, right? Whatever it is, like make that first thought positive because we, we're so self-critical of, our, of ourselves, right? But I would never look at someone else and tell them what I think in my head, right? So then the goal is, well, let's be our own best friend in our head. Let's not think so critically of ourselves, right? And so the first thing would be every time you walk by a mirror or you see your reflection, you think something positive. I don't care what it is, just the slightest thing. And then the other thing that I easily have people start doing that's, that I've seen a lot of success for is in whatever situation where you walk in there and you just feel like a bundle of stress on your shoulders, whether that's work, whether that's you work from home and you walk into your office, whether that be you walk into the gym because you have so much pressure on you right now, when you walk into that building, every time you walk into that building, you leave that building, you say something you're grateful for, whatever it is, right? So gratitude has been proven to change the like the, the structuring in our brains, right? And so it's, it's such a para powerful tool that I think people don't give credit to. And so um, I have I had this client that's an MMA athlete, and um, you know he, he's, he's he's angry all the time and he's so intense. And I had the first thing I had him do was just say something he's grateful for every time he walked into the gym and he left the gym. And I said, and, the, and when I talked to him next, I said, what did your wife say about you right now? He said, man, she said, I'm so much nicer and happier to be around. And, you know, it's like you can't start big, right? I don't want to change your entire thought process. I want to I change it little by little. 
and then we can we can measure out that success little by little. If I give you 76 things to do, how do we know what works, right? So I usually give them very small homework tools to work on each. Then I talk to them every two, three weeks, and I say, how did that work for you? And we review it. And what I've seen is the gratitude um, uh, scenario or example um, works really well. And then the kind of the, the self-talk in the mirror works really well. Um, another thing that I'm a big believer in is daily affirmations, right? And an affirmation is something that you say to yourself that um, you're, it, it's meant to only be heard by yourself and um, it's, you know, aimed to be positive, right? And so it's kind of, I, what I say to myself is I deserve peace of mind. And I think to me, that's the biggest thing that I could ever offer anyone, right? And I, and I made these shirts and they say peace of mind is built, not found, because we look for peace of mind in Netflix, in drugs, in drinking, in, in friendships. And friendship's not a bad thing, sorry, but you know what I mean? Yeah. We look for peace of mind in other people, and the reality is peace of mind is built through hard work, right? And if I, and that's one of the things that as an entrepreneur and as a business owner and as a consultant, it's like, man, that's what I strive for. I strive for peace of mind. I strive to be so happy by myself in my own head and that's that's a hard thing to do and um so i so i tell myself every morning i deserve peace of mind and if you feel like you're in a situation where you know when you write down all of your negative thoughts you feel like you don't deserve to be training in this environment or working in this environment then every day tell yourself i deserve to be here because you do right and um you just you find a lot of power and understanding that you're in control, right, um, of your of your circumstances, of your thoughts, of your actions, right. And so, um, what I try to create or bring bring to clients is really the awareness that they have the control to change everything. That's pretty powerful stuff. And I mean, one of the things I mean, you know, so we we um, you know base this podcast on Nova Three and I don't even think we're gonna touch it, Chrissy, to be quite honest, because I, I love this topic and, and you really I, I love how these uh, podcasts go in the directions that we don't naturally entail, but then in conversation they go somewhere. But and, and the point of saying that and I think something that you just said, so I'm a big believer in everything that you just said and have been for many years. And I think one of the things that we deal in day out day in, day out here is the patient aspect, right? So we deal with patients that have terminal cancer that, uh, you know, unfortunately 75% of them statistically won't have a very long time on this earth to battle the cancer. But one thing that I have always said is you have to worry about what you can control, not Mm -hmm. what you can't control. And that goes for the patient and also for the caregivers. And I think this conversation that we're having about self-talk and and having positive affirmations and being truthful and being transparent and knowing that why is so on point with everything that we are doing in this space naturally you're using it and there's nothing wrong with this for the for-profit sense where we're in the nonprofit industry but you're using it for athletics and for life you know and, and we're looking at it from a life and also from a patient standpoint is just so powerful so for our listeners at home i mean what you're saying i mean i know we we started this conversation talking a lot about the athletic background and you know the 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 nova 3 labs and the the supplements and the nutrition and how that relates to performance based to athletics but from just a holistic standpoint of just life in general and in particular for us here this hits so home and so on point. So I, I think what you just said is just so powerful. And I hopefully our listeners and I, I just wanted to interject. I know Vin has a question mm-hmm. here, but I just wanted to say that because that was so on point. And, you know, I, I, I think even, you know, for the folks that we've interviewed on this podcast that are battling pancreatic cancer and they're staring, you know, the gun right down the barrel. Everyone has had this unbelievable attitude and knowing that they can defeat this cancer. Now, will they defeat the cancer? That's to be determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are, in essence, controlling what they can control via their mindset. And that's so powerful. It's just so powerful, yeah. folks. You know, there's been studies done where, um, this is. I think this is so cool, they have two, 
two plants, exact same plants, exact same environment, exact same watering, and they they are positive to one plant and they are completely mean to the other plant. And the the plant that gets the negative uh, like word dies after. And granted, this is in terms of plants, right? But if I were to kind of correlate this into other things, is that plant is our brain and it's our mind, and we have this choice every day to live in the negativity. And or we can choose the hard path and the hard path is always going to be positivity because that means we have to work through our demons. And but if that means on the you come out on the other side truly believing in yourself and happy and having peace of mind, then man, it's definitely worth it. That's so on point. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much just answered all my questions or the two questions I had, um, Chrissy, and I think it all overlaps into everything. Um, but it was, you know, on our side, it's like those patients or those families per se. Maybe it's not just the patient, um, but the families are also going through some hard times. And um, you can also look at it on you know, on a CrossFit side or a fitness side where the families have to endure their significant others or somebody competing. I mean, there's a huge mindset that goes on that side too. Um, so I guess I'll re- readjust the question. And you know, what would your advice be for those people? For you know, the family members of somebody going through cancer or or the significant others of those athletes that, you know, are putting in triples and 10 hours a day working out or however it is. Um, is it the same or does it sort of sway a little bit because it's not they're not necessarily going through it per se physically, um, but they're still, you know, there and involved in it? I think for for the family members in both those situations, um, it's hard because they mm-hmm. probably feel a lot of emotional turmoil, right? Because right. you never ever want to see your loved one in pain in any regard, right? You you almost want to take that pain away and put it on yourself, and that's that's how much you love that person, right? But um, my biggest thing is that you can't pour from an empty cup, right? And so make sure that you are getting getting your own needs met, right? And um. There's this, there's this hierarchy of needs, right? And it's, um, you know, relatedness, right? Which is like being around people. <clears throat> and it's uh, relevance, right? Which is like connecting with people and um, feeling loved, right? So we have this, everyone has a different hierarchy of needs. So my suggestion would be to write down your hierarchy of needs and to make sure you're speaking with your partner and vice versa, right? Because whether it is athletic, or it is a medical situation, in a partnership, all needs have to be met, right? And even if your partner is one going through the the hard times or the turmoil, I think having a strong relationship is the most important thing. And if you both can be avenues of stress relief for each other, right? And so just having open minds of communication, kind of saying, hey, you know, it's kind of similar to like the five love languages, right? Like, man, I really feel connected with you when we spend quality time together, right? Or I really feel connected with you when you put your phone down and you look at me in the eye and we talk. It's so important, but the thing is, no one ever talks about it. They just assume that everyone reads minds, and no one reads minds, right? And so to yourself, figure out what are my hierarchy of needs from a partner, right? What are my hierarchy of needs from my job, right? What am I in control of? And then and then talk to your partner about them and say, this is, this is what I need to be happy. These are, these are my needs to feel secure or happy or peace of mind or whatever it is. And then have them do the same. And then it, it'll be an open communication, right, of <clears throat> how you can work together and be a partnership. Right, definitely. I definitely you know, agree on that. And it just it helps everyone get through it as easy as possible, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I know you, you put together your book. Um, can you tell the audience at home, um, you know, what the book is or what the name of the book is? Because I, I do think it, it, although it's for athletes, I think a lot of people can use it in general, just in, in the life sense in general. Um, so what the name of the book is and, and where people can get it? Yeah, of course. So, um, again, a couple months ago, I'm writing my thesis out. I think to myself, like, I would love to have this kind of journal because it's, it's not out there yet. And I would say that um, most entrepreneurs create something for their own needs first, and then they, Mm -hmm. you know, hope that other people have the same needs. So I created this journal, and it's called Piece Together Your Mental Game. Um, And it says, the athlete's log for mental and physical training. And it basically teaches you from start to finish 
uh, all about cognitive restructuring or reframing. So it's reframing negative thoughts into positive. And there's a spot for visualization, and it teaches you the importance of visualization, teaches you the importance of gratitude. Um, it teaches you about um, kind of the why behind it, like why would you even need to do this in the first place? How would I start? When would I do it? Um, and so I really wanted it to be kind of this outline for, for really anyone to work on changing their negative thought pattern. Um, and I'm a big believer on writing everything down. So even if you don't want to buy the journal, you can write it down on a piece of paper and you can do it every single day. Um, and that's just actively reframing your thoughts. Um, but if you did want to purchase the journal, um, you can find it at uh, nova3labs.com and the number three, and the three is the number three, so it's N-O-V-A, the number three, L-A-B-S.com. Awesome. So my last question here, Chrissy, and this is probably going to be the hardest question that I've asked, and I, and I want a, a, an honest answer from you. Do you think the majority of the population of the world today is ready to take this challenge? Because I think what we're talking about is being uncomfortable. And I once, uh, through one of my previous lives, or previous careers, I should say, went through some training. And there's something uh, there with a life coach that stuck with me. And I, to this day, I mean, this is, I'm going back 15 years. And he said, the amount of uncomfortableness that we have in our lives will determine the quality of our lives. And, and what truly is meant by that is like, hey, if you, you know, now I guess we can relate this to all things, but let's talk about athletics. Like when you feel uncomfortable, is typically when you find your gains, right? And then that next day, and I'll relate it to running. You know, you go out, no one goes out and runs a marathon and, and is good at it from not running or training. But there's a 20, 26 week, some people do 16, some people have done 12 week training cycle, right? And usually you start, your long run is gonna be eight miles and then it progressively goes up from there to 12 miles, to 15, to 16, and so on. And eventually you do like 22 miles, right? But along those journeys and along those runs, they get harder and it gets really, really freaking uncomfortable. Sometimes your nipples will chafe. And you learn that pretty quickly, you know, after that eight mile uh, training run that, oh, now I need nipple guards or I need to put some sort of item on those areas that chafe so I don't have that pain again. But then there's other pains that happen, whether it's nutrition or whether it's just muscles. So that becomes uncomfortable. But though crossing that finish line of whatever marathon and achieving that goal is unbelievable and is such a high and then what do most people say i never will do a marathon they do one and then they become hooked and they do another one mm -hmm. and we could say that for crossfit we can go into other sports as well i'm sure that happens for people who do their first crossfit event and they train 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 you know they pass out they puke they get really really super uncomfortable but then they have success but on the flip side of that sleeping in waking up, not working out, not getting sweaty, not getting dirty, not throwing up, not chafing, not bleeding, not having to go to bed early, not drinking alcohol for months upon months because you're in a training cycle or missing out on not going out with friends after work because you're in whatever training cycle is not cool and it's not comfortable to do that. So I guess my question in saying this is, you know, do you think really the majority of the population wants to be uncomfortable? I mean, I think um, what your life coach said makes a lot of sense. I think right now with the state of social media and the internet, um, we're almost praised on being void, right? So yeah. not connecting. Um, so if you look at the, the most the people that we say are the most successful, right? Um, they are very closed off, and they, they they're never vulnerable, right? And we we kind of view these people as successful, and is it because they're not vulnerable, right? Because to me, that that's not success, right? Um, so in order to be vulnerable and to grow, you have to be uncomfortable, right? And um, Brene Brown, she's a sociologist, yep. she's someone that I really look up to. 
Um, she talks about when you're vulnerable, you have this kind of shame hangover the next day. And I felt that after the seminar where I woke up and I was like, what were they thinking? Talking about my family and, you know, and my childhood. And, and uh, it kind of just hits you, right? And it's almost like your body's way of self-protecting. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay and that's going to happen and because it's uncomfortable to share, right? But uh, unfortunately, I think that as a society, we teach people to be closed off and we don't teach them like about emotions and understanding and being vulnerable in order to grow and that failures happen and, and it's only a failure if we don't learn from them. And so I think, I truly think that at some point in everyone's life, they're going to be set up and it's going to be set up with their position or it's going to be set up with their weight or it's going to be set up with their drinking. And almost most people have to go to that brink of being set up with themselves in order to change, right? And unfortunately, that's the case, right? People have to gain a bunch of weight and then they're mm-hmm. like, I'm unhappy, right? Um, and so I think that, um, but with, with everything with mindset, it doesn't have to be this huge mountain that you can't climb over. Correct. And um, with any change, right? That's why I hate New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Like, what, do you mean, what do you mean you're going to work out every day for a year? That's the dumbest thing to say. How about we work out once a week, right? And then from there, maybe twice a week. We go and we create these astronomical goals. And we say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to run a marathon. Okay, why would that be your, your New Year's resolution? And, and, you know, let's break down your goal. And so um, I teach people about outcome-oriented goals versus mastery goals, and outcome-oriented goals are very black and white. I'm going to run a marathon. So either you fail or you succeed, right? And I say, okay, you can have an outcome-oriented goal, but you have to have five to six things that you're going to do to get there, and those are called mastery goals, and those are things that you can control. You can control waking up at 6 a.m. You can control not thinking. You can control getting good running shoes. You can control joining a running group because it's more fun. You can control... Um, you know, trying to be present at each of your running sessions. Those are things you can control, and all of those mastery goals will help you get to the outcome-oriented goal. But if you just have that outcome-oriented goal, run a marathon with no plan, then the majority of the time you're going to fail. So in, in a summary, um, I think that most people have to get to that set-up state of mind before they ever want to make a change. And any change is going to be uncomfortable, but only through repetition of that do you learn that um, it, it almost becomes, you almost look forward to that uncomfortable uncomfortable feeling because you know you're going to change, right? I couldn't agree with you more, mm-hmm. and, and you explained that and answered that perfectly. So last thing for our listeners at home, and this has just been such a great podcast, and I, I want you back on the podcast. We'll figure out to get you back on, and we're going to delve more into this mindset and, and talk exclusively about that. And I'd love to share with our audience some strategies, and maybe uh, we can kind of offline talk about how we do that, because I, I think that'd be yeah. an awesome podcast to share with the audience at home. But the probably the most important question um, is – where can our listeners at home, when this podcast airs, where can they get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Um, what's the best resource? What's the best way? Yeah, so if you guys have any questions for me, feel free to email me. Uh, my email address is Chrissy, C-H-R-I-S-S-Y, at Nova, the number three, lab, dot com. And you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at Chrissy, B as in Victor, B as in boy. So Chrissy VB. Um, I love hearing feedback. I thrive off of constructive criticism. I mean, I'm not perfect, and I'm only growing in this role. And if you guys can give me, you know, even you guys right now, if you guys can ever give me feedback on how I can be better and help more people and kind of grow in this in this role that I'm in, I'm, I'm always looking forward to that. Well, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today and and sharing what you're doing. I think it's awesome. And like I said, uh, I want to have you back. So we'll figure that out and we'll delve more into this uh, positive reinforcement, sports psychology, mindset. It's awesome stuff. And I think for those folks listening, uh, definitely take a look at Christine's journal and Definitely look her up and and find out more about what she's doing because I think this is important stuff. This is 
more of the stuff that should be in mainstream media, but unfortunately we don't control uh, the networks or the newspapers or even Facebook for that matter, because this stuff is life-changing in a positive way and I think the world needs a lot more of it. So thank you for coming on and, and we appreciate all the support and love. Thanks guys so much. I had I had a ton of fun and I'm really looking forward to the next time that we can all chat and I'll be at Wadapalooza this year. So I'll see you guys there. Awesome, awesome. We can't wait. Thank you for being on the Project Purple podcast, Chrissy, and that's a wrap. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks, guys.